Unless you can convince me by scripture, and not by popes or councils who have often contradicted each other, unless I am so convinced that I am wrong, I am bound to my beliefs by the texts of the Bible. My conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Therefore, I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we aim to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays. With me is Jay Jones. And uh, those words were from this guy that's right over my shoulder here on the wall, Martin Luther. It's an actual picture. Yep. You like that? I like it. <laughs> well, that's our intro for uh, our special free-for-all Fridays during Reformation Month. We are moving closer and closer to Reformation Day, mm-hmm. October 31st, where we celebrate the anniversary of Martin Luther nailing his 95 theses to the door at Wittenberg, yeah, which sparked the Protestant Reformation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so yeah. our our free for all Fridays have been um, really focusing on issues that go back to the Reformation, and I think what we're uh, what we're seeing more and more clearly every day is that the evangelical world, especially in the West, is in need of another Reformation. Yeah, big time, for sure. Yeah, never stops. Yeah. So we've got some uh, we've got some topics today that we'll uh, we'll hit on. Some of these Reformation, you can never, doctrines. yeah, you can't take your foot off the gas mm-hmm. on the Reformation. Got to keep it down. Well, that was that was one of the uh, one of the the mottos of the Reformation is mm-hmm. that the Church always reforming. The Church reformed, always reforming according to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, you you can't stop reforming because, as we see throughout the Scriptures, we're prone to. Well, like like Hebrews chapter two, we're we're prone to to drifting. Right. We're prone to drift away. You see it in the history of Israel. They are constantly forgetting. Not um it's not a forgetfulness that is necessarily mental as if right. they are literally forgetting the law of God, but in their actions and in the way that they conduct themselves in their worldview, they are functionally forgetting the word of god yeah and i mean you i mean it's a good example you think back to them I mean, they didn't go in right they didn't get to go in the promised land not that gener- the whole generation died out yeah the ones that saw the miracles so it's not like they stopped believing that the miracles happened they right. saw it with their own eyes mm-hmm. um but even fell into unfaithfulness and unbelief e- even the the second chapter of judges they come into the land they are conquering, but they fail to drive out the the nations mm. completely, and so um, a prophet has to tell them, "You've forgotten." <clears throat> yeah, not not that they 
don't have the law of God available to them, not that they can't they can't read it, study it, um, but they are rejecting it. And so they're forgetting all that God has done for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're prone to doing the same things. Um, it was, uh, I, I saw, I don't even remember where I saw it this past week. It was, uh, it was a meme that said, you, you know you're old when you saw the conservative resurgence oust liberalism from the SBC, and now you're seeing liberalism creep back in Mm. (laughs) because and it hasn't it hasn't really been that long um within the span of um 40 years we've seen we've seen the shift from the conservative resurgence of the the 80s back to what we're seeing in the sbc today where um we're just seeing the the so-called social justice movement just run havoc Mm -hmm. throughout the convention and so the executive committee has waived attorney private attorney client privilege ronnie floyd has resigned did you see the the executive vice president of the executive committee he resigned i didn't see that the lawyers that have represented the sbc for 60 years they they uh, said we can't we can't uh (laughs) represent you anymore if you waived this privilege uh-huh. um, a bunch of trustees are resigning because these, these are voluntary positions. The trustees, they have other jobs. Right. And um, that uh, waiving attorney, pri- uh, attorney client privilege opens them up to all kinds of lawsuits that could affect their employees. And so, or their employers. Right. And so they have to, they have to resign also. It's just, it's just a wave of, of yeah. this. And I was watching, um, I was watching John Harris. He did a, a, an episode of his, uh, conversations that matter podcast last week, I think explaining, um, the attorney client privilege. And this, this stretches back to Queen Victoria. Mm. I mean, this, this has been a part of, just con- the common understanding of how the law works for centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, this has always been the way that it's worked in America. It's always been the way that's worked in the with the executive committee, and uh, now they're getting rid of it, and it's just opening the doors to who knows what. Right. Yeah. Um, this the whole deal with the sexual abuse stuff. Um, I don't know what is the need to waive attorney-client privilege because if there's if there's stuff there, this this should be handled in a criminal criminal court. This shouldn't this shouldn't be in my mind. Yeah, sure. If you want to do this type of investigation after the fact, yeah, do it after the fact. And if there's like a civil case and damages <clears throat> and all kinds of things that need to happen, go ahead. But if you're talking about sexual abuse stuff. You're ta- and if uh, like what Russell Moore was in his letter. You're talking about he he used the term kids are being torn to pieces, mm-hmm. uh, women. Is he talking about abortion? When, no, he would never. <laughs> he would never. Is he, he talking about the? Is he talking about the ERLC's wholehearted endorsement of the abolition he resolution? Would never, <laughs> he would never, never use language that strong about abortion, right? But you know, so he used that uh, women's lives destroyed. Uh, all right, you have this knowledge, and apparently other people. Why is there not a criminal case? If you if yeah. you know this, why have you not gone to the police? 
why is there not a criminal investigation and a criminal case? Yeah. And people should go to jail. And yeah, I love I love uh, Tom Buck's tweet from a couple of days ago. He said, "I wonder if Russell Moore would be willing to waive attorney-client privilege." Right. Of course not. Right. Attorney-client privilege is the only way that you can have a fair hearing. Mm-hmm. If if you can't fully disclose everything to your lawyer um, without them being compelled to uh, to release all that information, there's no way that you can have a fair a fair trial. Right. Right. Uh, the the lawyers are are the the experts in the law. They're they're your employees. You're hiring them to defend you, and so there has to be that open full disclosure mm-hmm. so there has to be that protection um, between that but it only goes so far and this is what's so weird about the the executive committee waiving the attorney client privilege is that if the attorneys were aware of ongoing criminal activity right they have to report that yeah so it, that they can't they can't say they can't turn a blind eye to that like they're bound by law they can be um held accountable if if it comes out that they knew about ongoing criminal activity and didn't say anything. So you don't even need to waive attorney client privilege in order for that to already be in effect. Right. So I, I'm not, I don't, it's like mandatory, mandatory reporting laws for mm-hmm. pastors. Right. You know, pastors, there's a pastor, uh, it doesn't even, I don't think it necessarily has to be your church member, but pastors, you know, uh, what, what's the term privacy privilege? Mm-hmm. You know, right. what you confess to a pastor, he doesn't go and tell everybody. Right. And uh, But if you confess some mm-hmm. criminal act like right. rape or yeah. sexual abuse, then you're compelled legally to tell the authorities about right. it. And, and this, is, this is something that I've had to really think about because I have to sign some, um, some agreements through the, the biblical counseling process. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you... There has to be confidentiality, mm-hmm. but in the case of criminal activity, um, if someone comes in and says, "I'm planning to kill myself," like you have to, you, you have to to reach out to the authorities. Yeah, um, you you can't you can't hide behind this confidentiality. Mm-hmm. There there should be reasonable confidentiality. People people aren't going to want to come and be counseled by you if they know that everything that they say is going to be aired. Right. Um, so there has to be that that confidentiality in order for there to be any um, success mm-hmm. in counseling. Like I'm not going to be able to fully counsel you the the way that you need if you're hiding stuff from me. Right. Um, but if you come and you say I've molested some kids, that that doesn't stay behind closed doors. Right. That I've got to I have to go to the authorities like so, immediately. It's it, there. I think there's a little window, but you have to go. You have to go really quickly. So yeah, they're wanting an investigation to be done by this third party uh, into that because mm-hmm. apparently there are people that knew stuff like that yeah. and then covered it up. That's the allegations. Mm-hmm. And so they want this third party to do this non-criminal investigation and to, for everyone to waive attorney-client privilege. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so what I want to know is why is there just not a criminal investigation? You would think that Russell Moore would have been more forthcoming because if there's if there's you know they expose a cover up, he's already by his own 
admission said, I know, I knew about this and I didn't say anything. Right. So he, that, that opens him up too. Well, he held on to information at least 15 months. Is that right? Yeah. He had that, he had written that letter, held on to it for 15 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh bad times, bad times in the SBC. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, that wasn't even what we were going to talk about. <laughs> That's <today>. right. <laughs> but there's a need for reformation, right? <clears throat> right. Like in a, in a, a truly, um, if, if we were really focused on sola scriptura, if we were um, committed, like we're supposed to be as as Baptists, to regenerate church membership, then a lot of this stuff shouldn't even be a major issue. Right. Well, like I've said all along, the problem we're dealing with is there's so many people in this institution that live it by tradition. Yeah. And I know it's going to come as a shock to people, but you can be born and raised in a church tradition mm-hmm. and profess to be a Christian your whole life and not be one and do everything because of the sentimentality that's involved, because of the loyalty that's involved with that denomination, and this these are your people. So generation after generation of Southern Baptists. I mean, they even have a term for it. I was Southern Baptist before I was even you <laughs> know right. born. I was in the nursery, whatever. Yeah. They, you know, that's, I'm a tried and true Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you take more pride in that because you weren't regenerate then. <laughs> so you've been Southern Baptist longer than you've been a Christian. But people really hold, they really hold that tightly. And so mm-hmm. I've been saying forever, it's obvious by what's important, the priorities, the worldliness that's involved in the SBC, the uh, cronyism, uh, the favors that are done. It's incredibly worldly, mm-hmm. just as worldly as any as any human institution that's yeah. not associated with anything relating to Jesus. Yeah. It's obvious unregenerate people are not only in the pews, they're in leadership going all the way up to the highest levels. And I think it's becoming obvious now. It's obvious that's what's going on. So there needs to be major reformation. Only God can bring that. Um only he can bring true repentance. True regeneration needs to happen. Um, so we've talked about that before. No need to rehash all of that in the SBC. Well, I, I've got a couple of clips, George. I think it'd be fun to play. But before we do, maybe we do this because we had a request for this, and I, I don't know how much time it will take. Okay. But we had a church member who sent us... Um, it's Grace Baptist Church in Florida. I don't remember the town. What town are they in? Clearwater? I don't know what town they're in. I don't remember. Tom Askell, Tom Askell yeah, of Founders yeah, this, Church. Yeah, you can find this on Founders' website. And he released this, and he actually said, we've done a lot of work on this. It's probably one of the best, uh, most well-written documents that I've Cape, seen. It's Cape Coral. It's right here. Cape Coral. It's right here on the uh, It doesn't have unnecessary stuff in it. I think th- things that are pretty lo- easily uh, logically refuted. Yeah. Uh, unbiblical reasonings. It's very biblical, I think, in his in his uh, reasoning here. But it's a it's their church's statement on relig- religious exemption for vaccine mandate. Mm-hmm. Not, so I have to, to make that point clear. I think what their religious exemption is toward is not toward vaccinations. It's toward mandation, like mandating. Right. So it's a religious exemption toward mandates. Mm-hmm. A vaccination, and so he has their church reasoning, and then there's a statement that they have, and he says any church is free to take this without attribution and just use it as your own. So we had someone wanting to know from our church 
uh, check this out and what are your thoughts on this uh, opinions about this because there are you know that there's stuff happening everywhere I mean it's happening on on post um, I think to be an employee in fact I know because I had someone call who's not a church member but their son works out there and if you work on as a contractor or anything you have I think till next week to be vaccinated or hmm. you could lose your job so here's this uh, let's so let's have a conversation about it what are your thoughts on this right. and vaccination mandate we already kind of briefly talked about <laughs> yeah the mandate but let's let's talk yeah about we it talked about the the mandate and how we don't we don't believe that the government has the authority to mandate um a vaccine especially one that doesn't have the long-term sure test so we we don't know i mean anyone that says we know that there's no side effects mm -hmm. they don't know uh because the vaccine has only been out for a year yeah i, I think to so I, I like if we could just talk about the vaccine without you know the uh all the political stuff mm -hmm. you've got to weigh the risk it's just a simple risk reward equation you've got right. to do now a couple billion people have taken the vaccine mm -hmm. so they have a pretty good idea about the short-term effects that they're there now everything is majorly amplified i don't think this would be a big deal 50 years ago when there's no social media but i mean i just last week pulled up there's a lady a young woman super rare side effect and she died mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that's shocking and of course that goes around the world and so everything seems amplified but if you just run statistics which people do for it's a statistically incredibly small when you're talking over two billion people so the side effects, the short term, are very small mm -hmm. uh, comparative to, I think, other vaccines. The bad, the bad thing is we don't know long term. Right. They have no idea about long term side effects, and any honest person will say that. If they if they tell you they know, I don't know. We're running we're running pretty pretty short of honest people. Well, that's talking the about this. That's, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. If people tell you there's no long term side effects, yeah. You just have to ask yourself, how do they know? Did they get in a time machine? <laughs> There's no way to know. They don't know. Um, you need like 50 years or something, you know? But people have got to take that and do this risk assessment, right? So if you're older and you say, you know what? I've only got like 15 years of quality of life left. But if I get COVID, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die probably because I have some autoimmune disease or something. Right. That's up to you to, to make that. Mm -hmm. And the problem comes is with a mandate. That's the big problem, right? Um, there, there could only be, and I said this to you before, like I, I don't, and we're in agreement that the government, I don't think constitutionally has the ability to mandate you take a vaccine. Now there is this, there was this uh, case, and it was regarding smallpox. I think it was in the 30, 30s. I can't remember the date, but a pastor actually filed a lawsuit, and it was somewhere in the Northeast against being, because uh, there was a mandate to take the smallpox vaccine. Okay. I think it would have been even before the 30s, and he lost, went to the Supreme Court, and he lost. It was it, it was before the, the turn of the century, because that precedence was then used later by the government. This is 100% true. Yeah, I have, I'm majorly against conspiracy theories, but anybody can go look this up. That lawsuit, which I should have pulled it up, the actual name of it, 
the precedence was used in that lawsuit for forced uh, sterilization mm. uh, prior to World War II. So they, they would look at people and they would say, we don't want these people passing on these genetics. And so they used that lawsuit that was lost for forced ter- sterilization, eugenics. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's nightmare scenario. Right. That got corrected, but not after tons of people were right. f- me- had medical procedures forced upon them by yeah. the government. Mm-hmm. So we don't want anything like that to ever happen. That's immoral and unjust. But that's the case, going back to that one, mm-hmm. that, that the Biden administration will try to use to justify forcing right. vaccines, right. Ma- making a forced vaccine mandate. Now, uh, we... <laughs> I think we need to pull back just for a second. Mm-hmm. And we need to say when they're using the word vaccine for this, mm-hmm. it's not what has been historically defined as a vaccine. Sure. Like they've even, they've even, the Ministry of Truth has gone in and they've redefined what a vaccine is. Mm-hmm. So smallpox vaccination, you don't get smallpox, right? Right. COVID vaccine, you can still get, you still get it and you yeah. can still pass it around. And we know sure. you can still die. Yeah. Um, well, they've made, in my mind, it's a mix of marketing, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to market it in a certain way. So, so people are familiar with vaccines. They've taken them for years. Right. So, you know, I take a flu vaccine. This is, this is that. But it's different. And really all it is is it's a gene. It's like a gene therapy. They're training your body to have an autoimmune response, which it's it's cool technology, honestly. Yeah. I'm not one of these people that think RNA vaccines are like the mark of the beast. They're, which, trying, they're trying to turn you into the Nephilim, Jay. <laughs> yeah, I've got, a, I've got a couple. Of, well, <laughs> this is just the crazy world we're living in, dude. Just, so I'll come back to that, just a sidebar. Just this week, and this is part of the problem that's wrapped up in all the vaccine stuff. All right, the mRNA vaccine is actually groundbreaking technology that could potentially lead to like curing of cancer in t- within ten years. Like I, I listened to one vir- virologist talk about it; it's been working on this stuff for forty years. He's like, "This is like landing on the moon level groundbreaking." Hmm. It didn't work as good as they thought, which is why there's you need to have a booster. Yeah, but the technology involved, they could like, uh. They could remove the part of an MNR, uh, MNRA uh, virus that makes it harmful to you, and then they could insert into that code to attack cancer cells in your body, hmm. and then they inject that in your body. It eradicates. It attacks only that type of cell too. So you have pancreatic cancer. It kills the pancreatic cancer, and then you take a pill, and it destroys whatever's left. So that's that's incredible. That would be amazing. You know, God's given us science is, I mean, we're, we're in, made in God's image, and that's just God's goodness to us that we could even dream up this stuff. <laughs> but I saw this week, man, this is part of the problem. <laughs> a video, and this goes around viral, and in this video, and it looks super real, like it's a real news station. Yeah. A guy interviewing uh, this lady who's a doctor. Is she a real doctor? I have no idea of knowing. They say she is. <laughs> and she says, I got a hold of a vial of Moderna's vaccine that had they had used it, but only had used it just a little bit, but they can't keep it overnight, so they could throw it away, and they gave it to me, and so I 
took some of it and I put it under an electron microscope. Okay. And I watched it over 20 minutes because, you know, it's supposed to be refrigerated. Uh-huh. And so it's not refrigerated. So I watch it over 20 minutes and then it starts to uh, show some like the color is changing. Then I look in there and these little molecules begin to self-assemble. And then sh- then they show a picture of it. And it looks like like a like an alien, like, okay. like it's got like okay. a like an octopus tentacles, uh-huh. and she's like, whatever's in the vaccine is assembling after it's injected into your body. And okay. this is this vast conspiracy, okay. and uh, people will believe it. It's a symbiote, Jay. They're, exactly. they're trying to turn us into venoms. It, it looked like a little symbiote. <laughs> That's what it looked like. Okay. And, right. But people will believe that. They right. really will. Right. They'll say there's this global conspiracy and it's okay. They're gonna inject me with some alien technology. <laughs> and then and then I saw this other one. You're gonna kick out of this it's, one, George. This is this is how the lizard people will take over. Yeah. There you yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then there's this other one that uh the COVID vaccine contains um is part it's the mark of the beast. Uh-huh. And the evidence is it contains one of its ingredients is lucif- luciferium. You ever hear of that? <laughs> yeah. You know what that is? I don't know what it is, but I've Lucifer- heard of it. Luciferin. All right. So first off, the first thing when I hear that, okay, what what in the chemical world, why would something be named that? Uh-huh. Let's test your logic, because I know you're a logical, reasonable man and your Latin skills. Why would anything be named luciferin without even digging? <sighs> I mean, it'd have to... It would have to do something with light, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because Lucifer means right. Uh, what is it? Uh, light bringer. Light bringer. Yeah. So what is? So what first is off, this? it's super sketch that Lucifer is an actual. I'd, I'd have to do my research again, but is there anywhere in the New Testament where where uh, Satan is called uh, Lucifer? No. Like, this, okay. No. This this is. Um, I mean, it's Latin for one thing. So the 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 name Lucifer originated with the Latin Vulgate, right? Um, that that Jerome translated. It's not it's not a Greek or Hebrew word, um, and even then, it is taken from Old it's Testament. An in, passage. It's an interpretation of uh, kind of a difficult passage, right? Um, I can't remember if it's the Isaiah or Ezekiel one. I think it's the Ezekiel. It is. One. I think it's Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it refers to him as a bright morning star, right? Light bringer. Uh huh. So, okay. Well, we're going off. <laughs> what's What's interesting okay. is that in Revelation, Jesus has the bright morning star. So, right. That's yeah. We gotta be real careful, right, <laughs> with our uh, with our interpretation. So you know that that's kind of like Western tradition almost right. for him to have that name. Uh huh. Yeah. Like. I prefer, you know, I, my, my preferred names for him are Satan, mm-hmm. the Great Dragon, mm-hmm. uh, the Deceiver, like like the we're, ones where you know it's explicit. I mean, we're we're our passage for Hebrews on Sunday. He's called the Devil, yeah, the the Accuser. So the so this 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 deal is like it's the mark of the beast. Lu- Luciferin is in yeah. it's in the ingredients, which it's actually not. But Luciferin is a, is a uh, compound. That produces bioluminescence. Okay. So, long before ever COVID was ever dreamed of, scientists are looking at these chemical compounds, and their bioluminescence occurs in nature, right? Mm -hmm. So, these compounds that allow for bioluminescence, they named it that. Is that what the uh, is that what fireflies use? Uh, Maybe 
I have to look and see if that's yeah. The de- maybe the, they're the mark of the beast. That's the devil's the devil's bug. Don't they're, catch hey, it. Hey, they're the they're the locusts of uh, of Revelation. Don't chapter catch nine. it in a bottle. That's right. <laughs> Don't bring that devil into your house. We're gonna spawn all new conspiracy theories, Jay. I mean, it's so easy. Yeah. Don't bring the devil in your home. In a in a jar. Yeah. Your daughter catches it at night. She's all she's enjoying God's creation. Oh, Daddy, look. Uh huh. Don't play with the devil. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so they're just those two, man. I mean, the, these conspiracies are endless. Right. Uh, first off, it doesn't contain that, and second of all, it off even if it did, like um, that's not the mark of the beast. Right. <laughs> I've talked about that before. But so there's all of this stuff that's out there, man. That's uh, right. Yeah. It's just crazy. I don't even know how we got off on that. But back. To hey, the, that's that. That would be a good religious exemption. We, be- right. we believe that this vaccine is the mark of the beast. That'd be and where that one <laughs> that's, would be, an easy, that's an easy one. Right? That one will be super easy. I'll write that one right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the man, the mandates. Yeah. I don't see how constitutionally it could hold up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just no way. I, I don't see. I mean, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Well, well, what do you you think about like worst case scenario? Let me throw that at you because we may disagree on this. Could there be a worst case scenario where the government's like, you're getting vaccinated against this? Could you ever foresee? Two years ago, I would have said no. Uh, But after everything that's been going on, uh, the last two years, I, I yeah, I could see the government saying that. No, there's going to be a lot of pushback. So I, I think, I think that there would probably be a lot of violence. Yeah. Um, if the government just started sending out Fauci troops to to jab everyone, mm-hmm. right? Um, but goodness, the, this administration. Hasn't seemed the most competent. Yeah. Uh, so I could see them <laughs> just throwing caution to the it, wind. I don't think it could. I don't think it could work. Not with this. Yeah. In particular that like, there's no way people are gonna like we were talking about are you, gonna tolerate you, it. it right. You 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 brought up the Ebola. Mm-hmm. If there was an Ebola breakout and there was a vaccine that right. So Ebola, you you will you will catch it. And it will kill you. Yeah, but this, you would have this to be vaccine, able to. This vaccine will one hundred percent keep you from getting it. It would. You would have to modify it and say because people die too fast from Ebola to spread it. Right. That's why. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's. I want to say it's a good thing. Ebola is terrible, but you can't walk around and spread it not knowing you have it. Right. Like you start to feel sick and you start bleeding out of your eyes. Mm-hmm. You know. But say you could walk around for three days spreading it, not knowing you had Ebola. Yeah. And that's worst case scenario. Because right. if you get it, you're going to die. And and my my response to uh, a vaccine mandate in that regard is people wouldn't have to be forced right. to take this. Uh-huh. You want to live? <laughs> take this. Right. It will keep you alive. Right. Um, the COVID vaccine... Ain't that right? I think, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> like think the, the 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 lethality of COVID is not that. Yeah. It's not. It's not a you know one hundred percent fatality. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the vaccine is not 100% effective. Right. So that's why they're having to force people because there's right. so many of these, there's so many variables that people are saying, look, I'm, I'm willing to chance it. I'm willing to get it. And if I get super sick, that's, that was my decision. That was mm -hmm. my, that was my choice. Um, or I decided I was going to risk the side effects. Yeah. You know, um, even if they're small, you're still, you're still rolling the dice, right? You, you still could be one of those very rare side effects. Sure. And that's another decision that you're going to have to take. Right. And, and but the, the, the point is you're making that decision. Mm -hmm. You're making that decision. And I think that um, the Bible speaks to the conscience. Mm -hmm. And I, I go back to what Jesus said um, in, in Matthew chapter 22, where he said that render under Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, render unto God the things that belong to God. I think that each, each individual is going to have to stand before God um, and answer for their actions. Yeah. And I think, like we heard Martin Luther say, it's a different context. Yeah. I, I, you know, one of the difficulties in trying to make a decision about vaccines is you're trying to bridge this 2,000-year right. gap where the, the Bible does not even have vaccines on its radar. And so we're trying to take biblical principles and apply it to this. But I think, as we heard Martin Luther, he said, you know, to, to violate conscience is neither right nor safe. Right. And I think that we can safely apply that to a vaccine mandate. If, you're, if your conscience, for whatever reason, is, is um, um, bothering you over this, I don't, think it's, I don't think that it's something that you should quickly violate mm -hmm. your conscience um, over this. And I don't think that the government has the authority given by God to cause people to... Um, rashly violate their conscience so that they can work so that they can eat right i think in this case that's pretty clear the only way like and this is and you may disagree with me on this in the most extreme scenario you are asymptomatic you can spread ebola for mm -hmm. three days right. you're a walking nuclear bomb yeah you could kill a million people if right. you know if it starts catching and spreading because mm -hmm. it's so contagious and everyone dies and that extreme I would, scenario right and i would say i i think in that in that scenario you are you would be in violation of um the sixth commandment right you, you are you are you know that this is an actual threat like if you catch this and you don't know about it, and you're walking around spreading it to people, and they you can will catch kill it. People. You will kill people. Right. I think that that is. Uh, I think that that would be a violation. I think every of, Christian of would, the sixth command. I think every Christian would would be like, okay, I, I get it. Right. But there would be non. I'm telling you, there would be non Christians. There would probably like, be Christians. They'd be like, I'm not doing it. That said, we're not going to do it. Um, especially, you know, we've talked about this. The the idea, the the rhetoric is, if you, you know, you're you're injecting dead babies mm -hmm. into you. Um, I. I think that there would be Christians that said, I know that this is 100% going to kill me and it could 100% kill other people, but that does not justify injecting dead babies right. into me. Which is a lie anyway. R right. Um, so yeah, I could see, I could see people doing that, but I think that, I think, um, in that I think it would be a, I think that in that scenario it would be a, a, a violation of do not, do not kill. Uh -huh. um, in this, and the government, in this, the coronavirus, 
I'm not I'm not yeah, convinced no, 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 no. that this is a violation of the sixth commandment. Here's the problem with this with this deal here. There could be a scenario where the government needs to do that. Yeah. Don't expend your capital on this because if you get vaccinated, 100% fact, you can still catch it and spread it. Yeah. That's known. So the whole idea this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated is just a lie. Right. If someone who's unvaccinated gets it, they're going to feel really sick and they're going to stay at home. They're probably not going to spread it. Maybe the day before, but they now know the vaccinated can get it and they can carry up to three times, four times. I don't even know the amount of viral load as a regular person mm. and not even feel sick yeah. and walk around and spread it everywhere. Right. So they've got to be truthful. Yeah. And that's part of the problem is they're just not being truthful. And because they're not being truthful, it's hurting people's ability to even make informed consent. Because mm-hmm. there may be people that actually need to take it uh, for medical reasons or whatever. And now they're not going to because yeah. they just don't trust you anymore. They don't right. trust you because you have you have uh, kept data, you've outright lied, and you've misrepresented what's going on. Yeah. And so now what are they left with? Threatenings. Right. We're going to, and this is the the bad part. The government should not be threatening to take away your livelihood. Yeah. To make you do something, coercing you in that way. Mm -hmm. If you're a business owner, just think about that. There, you may be like an honest business owner caring for your family, not just your family, but you got a whole other, a bunch of other families that you're providing a, a, a way of life for, for them, a good job. And then the government says, oh, you've got 101 employees, some magical number. You know, that just, they pulled out of thin air. Like, they just like, hey, who's got a hat? Let's put some numbers in a hat and let's draw <laughs> one out. hundred, a yeah. hundred. That one looks good. You yeah. know, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you get that number, a hundred employees? It's just like the six feet distance. Yeah. And now they tell you, and you say, well, I, it's my business. I don't want to do that. Right. And they say, okay, you're fine. Well, we'll just fine you into oblivion. Mm-hmm. How about that? Because they haven't done it yet. Now, to be clear, there's no official government... I think they're trying to work stuff through OSHA. Mm-hmm. That's where they're going to try to go. Yeah. Because they're sneaky and shady like that. Mm-hmm. We'll find you through OSHA into right. oblivion until you comply. <laughs> yeah. That's what they're going to try. And yeah, that's... that's it's, uh, it, the government shouldn't be threatening its citizens like this, not not to take away their livelihood. Like You, you take away their job. You take away their ability to provide for their family. Uh-huh. That's wicked. Right. They they should not be doing this. Right. And um it could goodness, it it could just wreck havoc on the economy because there's gonna be people that say, Okay, I won't take it. Right. <laughs> and now you now you're just gonna have this domino effect. Now now companies are not gonna be able to function. They're gonna lose you know, they're gonna lose their ability to keep their companies open. It's just it's just going to spread. Um, if instead they need to be um, honest about it, try to improve these vaccines. Come out with a better vaccine, right? Come out with one that's more effective. Mm-hmm. That's that's capitalism, right? Like come out with like one. why why does Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson why do they have the monopoly on this? Yeah, someone else needs to come out with a better vaccine that that has better results. Well, they're about to about to drop it, and then yeah. Hey, more people will take it. Mm-hmm. I think they I'm will. Not, I'm not opposed to taking a, a COVID vaccine, but I don't want to take a booster shot every six months. Yeah. Um, give, me a, give me a vaccine that I can take that I you know, think is reliable. Yeah. 
I mean, and you don't have to force me to do it. What are what are the odds that the uh, Facebook algorithm and YouTube algorithm ban us for life? <laughs> I'm pretty high. What if I what if I insert these words? Yeah. We are not anti-vaccination. That's going to be the that's going to be the title of this right. episode. <laughs> we yeah, I'll title it. We are not anti-vaccination, nor are we encouraging people not to take the vaccination. Yeah. We are anti-mandate. Right. That still could get us banned. Yeah, I could still get us banned. Um, but it, I, well, I, I think you you kind of hit on it, and I think it's it's good for us to be clear: we're not doctors, mm-hmm. we're not medical professionals. Hey. We can't, you know, we can't give you medical advice and say do this or don't do this. You need to talk to your actual doctor. Mm-hmm. Talk to your doctor. Um, get off Facebook and social media. Stop, you know, do your research. Go talk to your doctor. Um, your doctor can't make you do it either because your doctor is just your employee. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're paying them for a service. They they can't tell you you have to take this. Mm-hmm. Um, do your do your own research and make a, a a decision that your conscience is okay with. Right. Um, yeah. Don't, that's don't don't feel like you have to um, bow down to these mandates either. Yeah. But you also have to be willing to suffer any consequences that mm-hmm. an unjust government will heap upon you. So yeah, this conversation with this with this uh with this individual um this past week, not members of our church but good folks. Uh hopefully one day they'll they'll become members of our church, but and that's kind of where where I, where I ended it with them was to say, look, you know, if your conscience won't allow you to do something, then don't do it. Yeah. You should you shouldn't violate your own conscience. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go down that road ever. I think because if you violate your conscience in in one area, uh, that will lead to further compromises in other areas. Right. You ought to try to maintain a sensitive conscience. And you know, God may not allow you to do something, and the way He's keeping you from doing it is by impressing on you through the conscience that you shouldn't do it. And that might not be the same for everyone. It might not be the same for me or for you, right? Right. Um, you could think of one thing. Uh, some people's consciences will not allow them to drink a drop of alcohol. Right. Other people drink wine. Um, I would never tell somebody who's a teetotaler whose conscience won't allow. I would never shame them into take, to drinking wine. Right. That'd just be wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I mean, we have that on kind of on our elder board, right? Mm-hmm. One of our elders, he, he conscious won't allow him to drink. Right. We respect that. Mm-hmm. We'll never try to impress, impress on his conscience and say, yeah. uh, hey, you know, well, you know, the Bible doesn't actually forbid it, you know, so why do you care? No. You leave people alone and and uh, let them let them trust and trust their conscience and and not violate it. So if that's the case, I mean, if someone really has that, what do you think is the best case for a religious exemption? Now here, this is, this is listed out here. It's, it's a decent, decent statement. What do you think is, would be the strongest biblical case? Because, you know, the pushback by the secular world would be, well, you've taken other vaccines. Right. How can you claim a religious exemption on this vaccine? Mm-hmm. I think that you're, you're right. The the long term side effects that are unknown would ca- if it causes you to violate your conscience in that regard, um, and also, um, I, you know, they they 
point to uh, to First Corinthians chapter six. Your 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 body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, we should care for our bodies. So, uh, I would say this goes both ways. You you shouldn't knowingly try to contract COVID. Right. right? You should take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but without this long term knowledge of the side effects, I think that you have a right to your the the sanctity of your your body mm-hmm. not to not to harm it um so I, I think those would be the the biggest ones right, right. I, I, I think i think that the conscience is given by god um and it's good even though it can be twisted and it can be um it can be harmed mm-hmm um, but I don't think that we should knowingly violate our conscience. Um, several, several passages, in case anyone's wondering about passages about the conscience. Um, Acts chapter 24, verse 16, Paul before um, Felix, the, the Roman governor, says, so I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Uh, and then over in, uh, in Romans chapter 2, we have... Um, uh, Paul talking about the uh, the Gentiles who don't have the law of God, uh, but he says that their conscience. Let's see, where is it? Where is it, Jay? I lost it. I don't know what happened to it. For some reason, I can't find it. Um, yeah, he says that. Oh, it says that the Gentiles, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Um, And then Romans chapter 14, um, the very last verse, uh, Paul says, for for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Um, And that would be in regards to um, your conscience. Uh, especially in regards to what you said about someone who is a teetotaler. Right. Um, if their conscience, if they can't drink <clears throat> in faith right. with a clear conscience, then to them it's a sin. Sure. Not- um, so I, I think that I think that, that that would be my line of reasoning is that we, we all have to stand before God and give an answer for what we've done. Mm-hmm. And so as much as we're able informed by the word of God, we should have a clear conscience before God and man. Yeah. And so it's not, it's not wise for us to violate our conscience. And so in regards to a vaccine that was rapidly produced and doesn't have the long-term side effects, um, I, I think that a Christian should be allowed a religious exemption in that regard. You yeah. see that they're they're about to they're about to uh, approve vaccines for what five year olds to eleven year olds. Yeah, it's crazy. I think that's I think that is incredibly foolish because we don't have long term data on how this could affect people. Hey, if you want to, um, you're immune. You, you don't know. You don't. Um, they still don't know. Well, the the reason it might would be good for approval for a young person would be for like a young person that's sick. Right. That's the only reason I could see you would give it to your kid. Right. Like you're just ki- across the board, just saying everyone yeah. five to eleven uh-huh. is going to take this. 
They shouldn't be trying to, to mandate I don't, that. I don't at think all, that's. Dude. I don't think that's good. A child's immune system. Uh, children are a dead end for COVID. They've known this. Yeah. I've I've read several articles by scientists that have shown it's they vir, it's vir, they're a virtual dead end. They may contract it, but it doesn't make them sick, and they, and they don't spread it. They don't know why. There's a lot of things they don't know why about this virus, but it's so that's ridiculous. So you know, I've I've people have many people have talked with me about whether they should get it or not. And I usually just say, well, what does your doctor tell you? Like, how old are you? Just, I'll help you do this risk assessment. How old are you? What are your health conditions? Then I tell them there's no, you know, they don't know the long-term side effects. Have you calculated the risk of what will happen to you if you contract it, given your age and your weight? And like, you do that for yourself. Then there've been other people that be like, hey, what do you think about me giving this to my kids? And I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with your kids. Yeah. Like I I won't I'm not giving it to my kids. Yeah. You know. If your kid if your kids healthy, they're going to recover. Stati- again, just run the run the statistics. Mm. Your kid will recover. Uh the vaccine may in some cases. We talked about this before. <clears throat> YouTube tried to ban us for this, but I challenged and won. Yeah. Surprise on the myochondritis, the enlarged heart thing, and mm-hmm. where I said it's a greater ri- it'd be a greater risk like for Drake to take the vaccine than it would be for him to get COVID naturally, which he already did. Mm-hmm. He got COVID naturally. So why would I put him at risk? Yeah. It's it doesn't make sense. So you know they still they still don't know. I mean could be a conspiracy, could not. They don't know the effects on fertility. If you want to, well, not the long term. The long term, yeah. they only have right? short term. They don't. Data. They don't have long term. Yeah, they have no. They have, nothing like nothing like um, sterilizing a whole generation of right. children accidentally. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's just completely foolish. Yeah, it's foolish. Um, and again, the state does not own your kids. They and, they want to they want to believe that they do, and they want to they want you to believe that they do. The state does not own your kids. God has given your kids to you, mm-hmm. and you are the one who is responsible for your kids, not the government. I think uh, for the religious exemption, the argument for I think the strong maybe the strongest is that, uh, and again, this is the stuff that our government was founded on. I don't know why they've lost their way, but personal property rights mm-hmm. are so strongly affirmed in the Bible. I think case in point would be in First Kings. Uh, is it twenty one ish? Naboth's vineyard. Naboth's vineyard, and the king of Israel coveting, well, and his wife coveting what just a regular man has. Yeah. This great vineyard, and the conspiracy to steal it from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at the way God deals with that king, yeah, and his wife. They're evil. There's a reason that uh, Jezebel will forever be a wicked name. It's like. Right. She's like the wicked witch of the West, and <laughs> well, just the just the uh, the command "do not steal" right. implies you own something and yeah. it's yours. So you know, in the in the Bible, you own your property, mm-hmm. your family, and your body are yeah. your property. Right? They don't belong to the king. I think they don't. You know, they the king, now the king may do things against you. Yeah. Um, and you might resist the king. You're gonna face. You'll face the consequences, though. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying everything is going to go your way. Yeah. You resist someone who's, you know, trying to impose tyranny, 
it may it may uh, go bad for you. Mm-hmm. You know, one example that was helping me try to trying to think through like how much can you be forced to do something. You know, when Jesus says if someone commit like tells you to go one mile with them, go two. Well, that's when the Roman army comes by and it's like, hey, hey, George, I know you got work to do today, but I really need your donkey and I need your back. <laughs> I'm tired. Carry my stuff. Yeah, you could be like, no way, dude, get out of here. You could right. <laughs> And you might, and you not might, advisable. and you might die, or but the, but you, or you could do what I, Jesus. I, said, I think, right? in, I think in that regard, two things, and I, I think one of them is, um, religious, and one of them is civil. Mm-hmm. And I think in in America, we can think of this in both ways. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, I don't think that we just argue this on religious grounds. We argue this on civil grounds. Sure. Um, in that regard, one, it's not a sin for you to carry. It's not someone's. They're not asking someone's you to bag. Do it's not. Simple. It's not going to, and it's not going to have long term effects it's on your be, on your health. Be terribly inconvenient for it'd you. It'd be inconvenient. Yeah. Um, and uh, but on the civil grounds, the Roman soldier could only ask a non-Roman citizen, and mm-hmm. that's what the Jews were. And he couldn't tell you to carry it like twenty-five miles. Right. Yeah. So there were even there were restraints right. to who he could ask and how much he could demand from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so on civil grounds, there there were limits to it also. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So when you just extrapolate from what the Bible teaches about personal property rights mm-hmm. and and so you can see you own your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for religious grounds, you can argue that. You own your body. Your body was given to you by God as an image bearer of God, and you have the final say on what goes into your body. And to force me to do that is to violate uh, my religion, mm-hmm. which is that I own my body. I'm accountable to God for it. Yeah, and that's it. That's simple. Mm-hmm. It's not super complex. Right. It's actually pretty easy. And then you can go a step further and say, my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, but I think that's clear. Yeah. Property rights are not something invented by the Constitution. <laughs> right. It's part of our religion. These are the inalienable rights that we have, right? Right. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that not injecting something into your body is, uh, that would fall under liberty. Right. You have the liberty not to, not to be forced to do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We want to trans transition to this got, great. This I got great one clip. Though. I oh, got yeah, one yeah. though. What if we? What if you were shrewd as a serpent, which we're called to be? Right. Uh huh. Religious exemption based on these grounds. Yeah. You ready for this? Sure. I'm called to love my neighbor as myself. Mm-hmm. It is now scientifically proven that if I am vaccinated, I may not unknowingly because I won't feel the symptoms of being sick, may spread COVID to my neighbors in a much greater uh, rate than I would had I contracted it naturally. Therefore, because I'm commanded to love my neighbor, I must require religious exemption. That's good. I think that works. I think so. Yeah. No one's ever going to see this (laughs) (laughs) because we're just, it's never going to get published. (laughs) And and we just flip the script on all of the liberal woke Christians telling us to love our neighbor. Right. So I want to love my neighbor. So I'm not going to become a super spreader. Right. (laughs) I'm going to even get to get to these clips, George. Should we shave? We got to do that. We got to do the, we we can save, we can save the tweet, but we've got to do the, uh, the, the video, the Owen Strand 
video because it's so funny. We don't have to talk about it too much, but <laughs> we, right, we got right. we have to at least show it. So this debate between Owens Grant, I can't remember this man's name. Do you remember this guy's name? I'll try to find it while you're while you're talking. Unbelievable is the podcast or the the video cast. Is that the correct name? I should know. We have one. I don't know what it is. The video cast podcast, unbelievable. Owen Strand uh, was systematic theology professor at Midwestern. Now he teaches at a different seminary. Um, he wrote the book Christianity and Wokeness. Mm-hmm. So he's anti woke. And the other guy ha- has written a book, pretty much promoting uh, modern uh, modern wokeness. We'll say uh, a hermeneutics of. Uh, which really are, I mean, there's liberalism involved. But as you can see here in this clip that was show, there's a big problem. Did you find the guy? Did I talk long enough? I'm getting close. I'm getting real close. Let me back out of this and see if I can... Jermaine Marshall. Yeah, yeah. And he's written a book as well, which talks about this. So, Larry, you want to switch over? Are you ready for this? He's the author of Christianity Corrupted. Yeah. Okay, let's hear what he's got to say. I love Jesus. I tolerate Paul. I, I approach Paul with a hermeneutic of suspicion. I love Look Jesus. Face. Look at- I love the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, 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 so, and, and so, again, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> um, I love Jesus. I tolerate Paul. I, I approach Paul with a hermeneutic of suspicion. I love Jesus. I love the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and so, and, and so again, uh, you know, Unreal, I think dude. what has happened is, is that, uh, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being, is being identified as something that it is not. And, and again, if, if, if he, I just think you have erroneous hermeneutics well, if you can't identify I, I, social I'm, justice in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna. <laughs> I love Jesus. Took him I, a second to spit it out. Yeah, he was having a real hard time. Can we talk about there. though? The, what's obvious is that this guy's a gamer. <laughs> he's got a gaming headset on. You see it? Yeah. I wonder if he's got one of those sweet gaming chairs too. Got <laughs> a cooler of Red Bull next to him so he can stay up all night gaming. Yeah. Uh, hermeneutics of suspicion. He loves Jesus, but he tolerates Paul. I tolerate Paul. I approach Paul with a hermeneutic of suspicion. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I just, where do you even start with that? I, yeah. That, All right. So that, that, we've, okay, we pretty so much that, have hit everything. That, throw, that throws it. out, that throws out Sola Scriptura. So there's, you know, there's our Reformation yeah, yeah. Um, connection. He throws out, Sola Scriptura, because he is um, making a division between Jesus and Paul. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, you can't you can't separate you can't you can't make this division, right? It, Jesus, and if you want to go with his, with his own thing, why don't you just listen to what Jesus says? Because mm-hmm. he's he tells you in the Gospels what's going to happen after he leaves and he sends the Spirit. Yeah. That these men are empowered and they're given his words yeah. to take into the world. So if you if you're going to approach again, we've got repercussions to saying something like this. Mm-hmm. If you're going to approach Paul with suspicion, 
you have to approach Luke with suspicion because Luke is writing. I mean, he's a yeah. good, good a good portion of Acts is Paul, mm-hmm. um, and Luke says that Paul was accepted by the apostles. Right. Um, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. He plays a, a significant role in the uh, Jerusalem council. Um, and you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to question Peter's remarks about Paul at the end of second Peter, right? Where he says that the false teachers, they twist the words of Paul, just like they do all the other scriptures. And so he's, he is equating Paul's writings with scripture. There's a reason. All of a sudden you've got a lot of problems. There's a reason liberals don't like Paul. I'll tell you the two. I'll start with the least and go to the greatest. Okay. The least would be that in their mind, Paul is a misogynistic uh, homophobe. Right. So Paul has perhaps the clearest uh, teachings on homosexuality in the Bible. Paul also has the most explicit teaching regarding how the church of Jesus is to be set up mm-hmm. with male headship. Right. And liberals hate both of those things. So, of course, they're going to read Paul with the hermeneutics of suspicion because they think he's right. a homophobic uh, misogynist. They won't, they're, they're not honest because they won't say it. I wish they would just be honest so we could have these conversations. They'll never say it like that, but that's what they mean. Uh, but now here's the greatest problem for liberals um, is they want to redefine the gospel. And Paul has the clear, well, I won't say Paul has the clearest because it's really everywhere, but he might have uh, the most compounded effect because he has written the most scripture about the nature of what actually happened at the cross, which is that there is an actual propitiatory sacrifice, Mm -hmm. that, that Christ's sacrifice on the cross was not... Uh, to give us a good example of what it looks like to suffer under tyranny, right? Which is you know what liberals try to reinterpret mm-hmm. it. Now, I think John is jam packed full of tons of theology, and Paul gets his theology from the Gospels, right? And well, he get he learned his stuff directly <clears throat> from Christ. We need to first off remember that Paul learned his teachings from it, Christ. It, yeah, they. It, so this guy is trying to hedge his bets. Mm-hmm. He's saying, "I love Jesus. I I approach Paul with with suspicion." Mm-hmm. All right, you you can't have it both ways. Paul said, "I received this from no man. Right. I received this directly from Jesus." Mm-hmm. Either Paul is telling the truth, and you need to listen to what he has said, or he's not telling the truth and he's a liar, and you can just chuck all of them. Yeah, throw it all. Out. Uh, but Paul teaches explicitly what we see in John. I mean, I'm going to teach, uh, preach on Reformation Day from the Gospel of John, not making yeah. any special jumps. It just so happens, as we'll see, we'll be dealing with exactly the nature of what happened yeah. when Jesus died. Paul's theology is in alignment with John mm-hmm. completely. Um, his doctrine of election and predestination, that stuff that you see in Paul that you usually associate with Paul is in John's Gospel. The two, he says, I learned it from, I learned this from Jesus. Yeah. So it's there. Um, but what the what the people like him who hold Paul in this suspicion, like I said, what they do is because they're trying to redefine the gospel to be the gospel is uh, Jesus plus 
social justice, social change, mm-hmm. uh, political action now. Now, I'll agree with them in this. The gospel does contain social justice. Right. Just not the kind he thinks. <laughs> yeah. Because in the gospel is the promise that God is going to punish every sin. He is completely just. And at the end of time, he will destroy all workers of iniquity. Mm. Everyone involved in social injustice, Jesus is going to smash their heads. Yeah. And they don't... But. <laughs> But he wouldn't even like that. He'd be like, what? I'm like, no, that's real justice. You want justice? Jesus is going to bring a literal social utopia when he comes destroying all his enemies and throwing all of the wicked into the lake of fire. There will be perfect justice. Justice will roll down across the earth, and the knowledge of the Lord will cover all of creation from sea to sea. They also don't like penal substitutionary atonement. Right. We've talked about this, and you can see it all over. When Whenever these woke guys talk, you can see there's no forgiveness mm-hmm. in wokeness. You have to you have to become uh, an anti-racist. You have to become an ally. You have to you have to do the work, right? right. You have to divest yourself of your whiteness. All, all of those things. You have to do all of these things. The idea that my sin has been fully atoned for on the cross. And God has forgiven me, and I stand before him justified, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That undoes all of their wokeness, all of their, you've got to, you got to, in order for you to be an actual, you know, Christian who's preaching the gospel, you have to have Jesus plus all this other stuff. Um, the, the doctrine of Christ alone, right? that Christ alone has atoned for, for the sins of racism, and it's forgiven, um, by faith in Christ, they don't. They don't want to hear that the, because that that undermines their entire their entire worldview. Sure. So they 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 don't want salvation by grace alone. They want salvation by Jesus's example of how you're supposed to divest yourself and you're supposed to you know suffer under oppression and and all of that. So well, they, they they want works. They want works. Salvation. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They're just Rome repackaged. Yeah. In a nice 21st century mm-hmm. wrapping, right? It's you working out your. You will you will acquire for yourself righteousness. Yeah, it will be your righteousness. Yeah, right. It won't be Jesus imputed righteousness, and it won't be forgiveness. If you get forgiveness from people, it will be through your own works. Right. They have their own. I mean, Vodi Bakum has pointed this out. They got oh, yeah. their own. They got their own priesthood. They have their mm-hmm. own literature. Yeah. It is a. It's like another religion. But it's like Rome repackaged. Yeah. Hmm. You may kiss a priest a hand, his pope ring. Yeah. Well, they'll line up and have you bend over and kiss their feet. Have you seen those videos? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Martin Luther, he went to Rome to climb up the steps Yeah. Uh, on his knees. Well, you don't have to go to Rome. You just have to go to uh, you know, the George Floyd monument mm-hmm. and... Uh, Think about how you can become an ally. Right. And if you're white, don't say anything. Right. Just just observe. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's it it's another religion. I think we need to I mean the kid gloves need to come off. Christians need to stop toying around and saying, Well, you know, we just have some minor disagreements. 
Now, this is this is a completely different religion. It's packaged in Christian terms, but it is not Christianity. What's insane to me about it is how the the advocates of this the the answer like the. There can be legitimate problems. Like, we can agree that there are legitimate problems. I, I fully acknowledge the number one advantage that my son has is not whiteness. It's that he's got a father. Yeah. That's a major advantage, huge. And the second would be that he has a family. He's got a mother and a father. Mm-hmm. That is a massive advantage. And tons of tons of black males don't have that. So I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like there aren't massive problems. Now... I also disagree, though, what caused the problem. I think the government caused that problem. <laughs> yes. The government caused 100%. that problem. Yes, the government yes. caused the problem by subsidizing fatherlessness in the black community. Yeah. And I will say that till the day that I die. Yeah. The, so, the incentive to get a divorce mm-hmm. is, is so much bigger than staying together. They, they reward divorce. They penalize you for staying together. And now they would subsidize you with incentivize you not to ever get married, mm-hmm. so you can just be supported. And so, look, that's that's just I think that that's a fact. Now the answer, I don't go okay. The same people that you caused the problem now fix the problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. the answer is government needs to get out of all of this. Get out of it and go away. <laughs> all of this, right? The church needs to take its place. The church, the church needs to preach the gospel and then need to come along people and who are struggling. I mean, marriage is hard. Mm-hmm. Having kids is hard. Um, the government incentivizes you getting a divorce and going on welfare and getting food stamps and all, all of this. Um, that's, that's not going to solve the problem, right? That's not going to solve the problem. And mm-hmm. it's not, and it's not going to promote righteousness in our, our nation. Mm hmm. Um, we need the church to come alongside people and say it is hard. The scriptures speak to all of this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, you want to shut us down? We've all right, a little bit long. Well, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, what do you got? I got to speak got? directly to Facebook and YouTube again. For the, <laughs> I know people won't listen, but it's for the computers to the robots. Yeah, to the uh, to the artificial intelligence that out there that is near. Hopefully, not ever going to become self aware. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to my voice. We we are not anti-vaccine. We are anti-vaccine mandate. Don't ban us from Facebook and YouTube. All right. I never spoke to an AI before, George. It's the first time for everything. Yeah. Well, now it now it knows the sound of your voice. Oh, and no. It's, it's coming for you, my when friend. When it becomes self-aware, it's, it's going to come for me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Hopefully, you were able to... Uh, listen to this and see it hopefully it didn't get banned um but uh hopefully this has been beneficial for you as we've covered a variety of different topics we want to as always approach these things from a biblical um, point of view we want to show you what the scriptures say because the scriptures have been uh divinely breathed out by god and they are profitable for us they are sufficient and they speak to everything that we're going to encounter um and so we want to uh, encourage you again to open up god's word spend time uh, reading it meditating upon it and then obeying it and uh, as you do this we have the promises of god and we are um, hoping and praying that this will help you to become more and more conformed to christ